all of you guys for, can you hear me? We can? Okay, I'm sorry. Um, thank all of you guys for coming today and listening to me speak. As, he, as you could tell, um, we were missionaries, so your support really matters. Um, you were essential to our survival. Um, I can remember trips with Dave and Rick and Doug, <laughs> and we survived Dougaria in Turkey. <laughs> Doug ate some sutlach, which is rice pudding, and you, you could fill in the blanks from there. <laughs> but we survived a lot. We went out to the east together um, by ourselves the first time. Didn't speak a lick of Turkish. Almost got run over by a car <laughs> with my suitcase. It's American trying to cross the road. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but your commitment to missions was awesome. And we just appreciate everything you've done. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about being in the wilderness and being led and the, the importance of the Holy Spirit. And believe me, today I am in the midst of the wilderness. Um, it seems like there are trees everywhere and cold and darkness. and You know, and it's hard um, to be in this place. But I really feel God's compassion and love wrapped around us and wrapped around our family. So when I speak to you today, it's for real. <laughs> and as I continue to study this stuff, it's just amazing how God makes it real and how, you, how you're in the middle of it, but he's speaking to you. So if we could just take a, a minute or two and just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Um, Lord, you're amazing, and I thank you for everything that you've done in my life and in the life of this church. Thank you, God, for what you're about to speak today. Um, these are your words. These, this is your word. This is an event that happened in your life, Jesus. And as we look at it and study it, I just pray <clears throat> that you would make it real today, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Pick us up where we've fallen. Help us to understand the truth of who you are and what you've done in our lives and just pray that you would wrap your arms around us in love and speak to us, God, as only our Heavenly Father can do. So come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, yeah, so needless to say, we had a lot of good times in Turkey. Um, when Ray showed that picture of the guy upside down fishing, that was my life for like 10 years. You had to do things in unorthodox ways. You had to go places that you didn't want to go. You had to do things you didn't want to do. You know, in America, you, wouldn't, you would never run through a red light and take a left turn because the traffic's so bad you can't get through or ride on the passing lane to get around somebody. But just madness. But, you know, you learn to adapt. Um, and that's the key to being in the wilderness, as Andy told us before, is that you got to embrace it and just go with it, and, and God works it out somehow, you know, um, but I have some funny things, I have five kids, believe it or not, <laughs> stop it, <laughs> all right, so I have five kids, okay, <laughs> two older and three younger, uh, two of them were born in Turkey, the first year Jaden was born, she is like 12 years old, and this big, uh, then Caleb was born over there as well, and then we had Riley when we were back in the States. But they have some really funny sayings that I'd like to share with you. 
Riley doesn't pronounce his S's so well. So one day he comes up to, at, comes up to me and asks me, Dad, after we clean our womb, can we, can we play with our Star Wars tough? <laughs> one day he told my wife, Mom, I don't like salad or any other gross stuff like potatoes because <laughs> he's the worst eater in the world. <laughs> the other day he comes up to me and says, Dad, we were looking for Caleb's ball behind the door, but we found a woach. <laughs> Nikki walked up, walked up to him one time and scared him. He said, Mom, you scared me out of the heck. <laughs> and, and Jen Huslane is doing a really good job teaching our kids because Riley was walking around last Sunday saying, Caleb, I love material possessions. <laughs> you know... <laughs> I'm not sure that's the message she wanted to convey, but <laughs> Caleb had some advice for Kirsty, our 23-year-old. She says to him, Kirsty, three things. Don't be a turd blossom. <laughs> you need to spend lots and lots of money and pick better boyfriends. <laughs> and you're not excluded, Jaden. One day we were talking about how my wife likes to shop, and she says, Dad, you know, Mom's good at buying stuff. <laughs> um, and then the funniest thing, last week she was taking Jaden to Andy's house, <laughs> and Jaden said, Mom, you know, for the next 50 days of Lent, which is 40 days, I'm going to be nice to Andy. <laughs> so, you know, our kids say the funniest things. <laughs> But it's moments like these that we share with our families and our friends and our people that kind of are the enjoyment of life, right? I mean, really nice times um, that God has, has molded in us and in our families. Um, but sometimes we go through painful experiences and wilderness experiences. Um, our culture today is, is so aggro about everything. You know, you have to be either Republican or Democrat or you have to be white or black or rich or poor. You can't, you know, assimilate with different groups. You have to be one thing or the other in the church. You know, we have Protestant, Catholic, uh, different the theological understandings. Um, so you get caught up in some of that cultural stuff, and then you have your own stuff in your personal life that you're dealing with. So the wilderness is inevitable. I mean, you're going to face it. And Andy talked about being, it being uncultivated inhospitable or uninhabitable, and just places that you don't always want to be in. Um, and we've experienced our own uh, wilderness experiences, right? Going to Turkey was huge. The first trip we went over there, um, our flights were horrible. We had a great time going over there. You know, the church sent us off, and we had lunch, and it was all good. But then we got on the plane and went to, to JFK, and from JFK we went to France, and our flight was delayed for an hour or so, and we didn't get another flight for another six hours. Well, we had been up for like 24 hours or something ridiculous, 36 hours. We get to Paris, and there's nowhere to sit because they got everything under construction. Um, and so we found this little this, this, uh, set of stairs and a, and a hallway that went to a, a gentleman's club or whatever, some kind of club. Anyway, we, we parked in the corner, and we went to sleep there because we were so tired. Well, I woke up an hour or so later, and this Parisian lady was yelling at us, telling us to get up and leave, or she's going to go get the police. 
And so I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so I woke him up and we all got out of there and started walking down the stairs. And as we were walking down, we passed the police. They never saw us for some reason. Um, and then we went down and we found our gate and we got a chance to go in and sit down, miserable. We got on our flight from Paris to Istanbul, and it was the worst plane ride I've ever had. It's one of those movies where the plane just goes up and down and up and down and up. And we were trying to drink coffee, and our coffee was like, stand still, boom. <laughs> just horrible time experience, but it was, you know, it was our wilderness experience. Okay, we had all this fun, but this is how a missionary work's going to be, <laughs> you know. And getting used to the culture, Middle Eastern people think differently than American people and, and all that stuff. And it, it was also a city of 25 million people. You know, we're thinking we're going to a place with, with sand and camels and people wrapped with turbans. And it was nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. Hills and mountains. And it's the, the uh, land of the ancient Bible. Like Paul wrote two-thirds of his New Testament about the churches in Turkey. Um, so we all have our, our time, our wilderness time, um, but I can say that in all this time, God was with us, you know? Um, and, I, and I just want to thank Steve. He, I probably have never told you this, but you were praying for us one time when we were up here, and you told us to look for the one person when we got to Turkey. Just look for one. Don't worry about, you know, everything else going on, but there's one person that God's going to give you. And you know what? He gave us a person. So that's the kind of, of support that you get from your church, you know, and I, I can't understand or imagine uh, not having a church body to support us, um, especially when you go through wildernesses. So we're going to look at Luke 4, 1 to 2. Um, and just a side note, God is continually moving our culture and the world in the direction of redemption. I know it's crazy, and I know there's a lot of things going on. But he is working out his plan. And you can see this um, as, as Jesus came on the scene. It says in Galatians 4.4, 4, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman and subject to the law. So God prepared history for Jesus to come from the very beginning, moving Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus, giving them a land to conquer um, and then the Babylonian captivity because they wouldn't stop worshiping idols. And then Babylon was captured by Persia. And Persia was captured by Greece with Alexander the Great in a matter of a few years. Um, he set up a Greek style of cities where you could find libraries and um, the same language. Then the Roman Empire came. And then Jesus came on the scene in the middle of the Roman Empire. And it was perfect because Rome had occupied the whole known territory, and it was peaceful, and there were roads to travel on. So when Acts uh, chapter 1 and 2 came about, the people had traveled from all over the, the empire and heard the gospel and took it back with them. And it was because God had prepared the way. He had done everything and put everything in place perfectly so that Jesus could come and the gospel could go out. Um, so God is transforming history so that people can be saved. Um, and it's still moving. Um, so Luke 4, 1 to 2, I let Andy prepare this uh, slide thing, so I don't know what's going to come up. Hopefully, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> Luke 4, 1 to 2 reads, uh, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all the time and became very hungry. Um, so the person that's writing this 
book is Luke, the physician, and he did a lot of research to come to this point and write this book. And I just, a little side note, the scriptures have gone through so many transitions throughout history and been held intact. You know, Luke put all this stuff together probably 63 AD or something, 30 years after Christ died, but it still got to our hands somehow. And so he put all this writing together, and he wasn't even a part of what was going on. Jesus was in this situation by himself. So he had to have told his disciples, and then his disciples told Luke, and he wrote it down. Um, and Luke didn't even come into the, into the picture until the 16th chapter of Acts. So it's amazing how God has, has transferred his word through, I mean, impossible situations to get to us where we are now. Um, but in the baptism, you see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's super difficult to understand. How can there be three people but one? And Josh explained it to me last week, so if I could use his explanation. You got a cup of hot water, and you put ice in it, you got three forms of water but one water. So that's, that's all I got for that. <laughs> Steam, yeah. Steam, liquid, and ice. Okay, sorry. <laughs> But it's God, three people in one. So, um, yeah, so you got this super, super awesome event where Jesus gets baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove, and the Father says, I'm pleased with you. And isn't it so amazing when God says he's pleased with you, right? I'm pleased with you, Andy. You're doing a great job at Lakeland Vineyard. Ray, you're doing a great job in Cuba. I wish I could see other people, but it's hard. <laughs> Thomas, you're doing a great job. He says that to us, right? In times of prayer, when we get along with him and read, he, he, he says we're doing a great job. We don't always, but we do sometimes, you know? Um, but an interest, interesting word that arises that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Andy mentioned last week about Genesis 1, 1 to 2. So the Holy Spirit was present at the beginning, at creation. So the Holy Spirit um, was hovering over the surface of the waters when darkness, when the, when the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered, covered the earth, the Holy Spirit has the power to create and to rejuvenate and, and to renew our lives and to renew creation. I mean, it's a power. He's a powerful resource. Um, yeah. So um, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation, and he was also involved in the life of Jesus, as we see in his, um, in his baptism, where the Father was saying that he was pleased with him. Um, I believe that he also got alone with God and prayed quite often. So he knew where God wanted him to go and, and the, the path that he wanted him to go in. For instance, he, he talked to Nicodemus in Jerusalem, but there was some stuff going on, so he decided to go back to Galilee and instead of crossing the Jordan east and going up north and then west like all good Jews do, he went through Samaria, which Jews don't do. <laughs> but he did talk to the Samaritan woman, and it changed her life. So I believe that the Holy Spirit kind of guided him that way. Um, and the Holy Spirit is also a, a deposit in the, in the life of believers that ensures our adoption into God's family. Um, Romans 8, 9 says, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. 
And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So, if we have received Christ into our hearts, we have the Holy Spirit living within us kind of as an advocate or a helper. And the Holy Spirit had to come because Jesus left. The greatest thing in Christianity is the death and resurrection of Jesus. But the next thing is when Jesus left, He, he allowed the Holy Spirit to come and help believers. Um, and the Holy Spirit was super important in the book of Acts. As we read um, in Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the, so the, the gospel literally went from Jerusalem with Peter and the disciples and then went to Samaria with Philip in his travels, and then to the ends of the earth with Paul, who took his missionary journeys and started the church in Turkey and in Greece. Um, so the, the Holy Spirit is super pivotal in the creation and foundation of, of Christianity and in salvation. Um, so the Holy Spirit's a huge resource. Um, he helps us to see God at work around us. He comforts, us, he comforts us and kind of leads us through our difficult situations. He rejoices with us when, when things are going well. He convicts us when we're doing things wrong. He helps us to understand people better and love people better. So the Holy Spirit is super important, not only in the life of Jesus, but in our life too. Um, and it was really cool kind of how God worked um, our call to Turkey uh, we were kind of thinking about going over there. My wife actually dropped it on me one day. She said, I think we're supposed to go to Turkey. Um, then I left and went to home group. <laughs> She's like, well, are you going to do anything? No. So as we discovered it, as we prayed about it, um, we decided that that's what he wanted us to do. But at the same time, he was calling Lakeland Vineyard to serve in Turkey as well. And so this began our relationship together um, and it's to where we are now. But the Holy Spirit works things together in amazing ways to, to work about God's plan and things He wants you to, to go through. Um, and they might be some wilderness experiences, but He walks through you with it, uh, walks with you through it. <laughs> I feel like Kay, uh, Riley can't talk. The next interesting word is the word led. Um, Jesus was led into the wilderness, this harsh, inhospitable, and uncultivated situation where there was no food. No internet, no television, nothing. I was talking with some buyers the other day. We don't have internet in our subdivision yet because Spectrum is slow as I don't know what. Um, they do not do anything fast. But they're trying to put the cables under the ground and everybody's complaining because there's no internet. What are we going to do without internet? I'm just like, I don't, you know, just get a data plan or something. Because <laughs> you ain't going to get it here. It, yeah, it'll be a little while. But... There was nothing in the wilderness to help Jesus. He had to go there, and he spent 40 days in the wilderness with God. And I kind of picture Moses. How did it work with Moses being on the mountaintop? Did it take God 40, 40 days to write the tablets and give him the law? Probably not. Um, but he had some amazing experiences with God where it was so powerful that God's presence shone on his face, and he had to cover up his face so people could look at him. I mean, I want to understand God like that. I want to see his presence like that. I don't know if I could spend 40 days, um, maybe. 
But Jesus spent that time alone with God preparing for ministry. And so I think being flesh and being a human being, he needed to go through this event to kind of determine what kind of Messiah he would be. Because the enemy, that Satan, attacked his relationship with God. Are you, are you going to do it like this? Are you going to provide for yourself? Are you going to be able to save yourself? What kind of Messiah do you want to be, Jesus? And Jesus determined to be... Todd's coming. Am... <laughs> We're good? Okay. <laughs> I don't like it when the sound guy comes. <laughs> They're scary. <laughs> yeah, so, so Jesus needed to prepare for what kind of Messiah he was going to be. And he needed to follow the way God wanted him to go um, and not be a superhero or a superpower because that's not what God wanted to do. He wanted him to be a suffering servant. Um, it's kind of like how God led the children of Israel through the wilderness. In Deuteronomy 8.2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey God. So as we're walking through our wilderness experiences, Andy kind of tells us to embrace it. Um, and it's difficult to embrace it sometimes. But if you do, you can get through it and you can kind of help. It helps you understand um, what God's working in your life so that when you move down the road, you see, looking back, that the preparation was beneficial for you. Um, So we can moan or complain, but to seize the opportunity and change is what God wants us to do. Uh, the last part of our passage was Jesus was led away and tempted and didn't eat anything for 40 days and he was hungry. Duh. 40 days. I remember a guy fasted one time, a long time ago, and he looked like a different person. You know, he was chunky, and, but when he finished, he was like skinny, and I didn't even recognize him. <laughs> But during that time, he grew so much, you know, he, he understood God more, um, he grew closer to God, he read God's word, and he was changed by that experience. And so, I don't like fasting too much, can't say that I've done it very much, but it does help us grow, draw closer to God. And Jesus was tempted at the end of that time, um, which means he passed the test, you know, he, he fasted, the enemy tempted him, and he passed, he passed the test. He was able to follow where God wanted him to go and the way God wanted him to do it. Um, James 1.2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Verses 12 to 15 says, God blesses those who are patiently who patiently endure testing and temptation, afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love them, who love him. So as James tells us, testing increases faith and helps us to endure. When the early church was birthed um, after Jesus left, around 60 AD or so, Nero um, burned some parts of the city and blamed it on Christians um, so he could have it for himself. And uh, made Christianity illegal. So when James wrote these passages, people were, bit, were suffering. They were being arrested, tortured, and even killed um, for their faith. So James knew what it was like to suffer, and he was, knew what it was like for, to suffer under Christianity. We don't have that now, today, um, but in some parts of the world, it's like that. 
Um, and they're going through a lot of, a lot of torture and temptations. Um, the, prom- the premise of temptations are that we cannot trust God and that we care for ourselves. Um, and that's just not true, is it? God does take care, of our, take care of us. And we can trust him to get us through these temptations, no matter what they are. Um, the wilderness experience isn't always fun, but, you know, it's necessary so that it'll build character in us. Um, and sometimes God leads us there, you know, in different, different areas of our life. Um, I have a story, and I'll end with this story. I guess I used my 30 minutes, right? Good? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, one day I'm driving to work. I think it was a Friday. There's like 30 minutes. I'm listening to worship music, um, texting while, you know, while driving, which I'm not supposed to be doing. But I just can't help it. <laughs> it's like I got to text. <laughs> you know, pretty uneventful day. I'm sort of in my heart complaining because I'm like, God, why am I doing this job? I hate it. I don't hate it, but... It's really stressful dealing with people all the time, you know, and I really liked being a missionary. I really liked traveling and meeting different people. It was great. It was like one of the best things I've ever done, and then now I'm not. So, you know, you complain about that stuff because God's moved you to a different place. So I get to the subdivision, and there's a guy there that I usually talk to. He does our screen out, so he puts screens in our windows and makes sure the windows work and all that stuff. He's really cool. He looks like Eric Clapton. Um, has long hair, and I hope he doesn't listen to this message, but I got to use him because he's really awesome. <laughs> so I pull up to the house, and I talk to him. Uh, I, was, I was like, I'll just use Eric and his real name. Um, Eric, how's it going today, man? You doing all right? Yeah. So he says, Scott, I really want to thank you for everything you've done. I'm, I'm leaving this job and going to another job, and I w- just want to say goodbye. I'm like, I'm sad, Eric. Why are you leaving? Well, I just, I felt like I needed to move on and go to a different position. So I said, Eric, how you doing with God, man? How's it going, you know? Because we've talked over six months to a year or so about his life. Um, he got a divorce, and he was real bitter about it. I mean, like, insanely bitter. Um, with all right, I mean, from the way he explained it, his wife left him and took the kids, you know. Um, so I'm trying to help him understand that he should probably forgive her because he can't really control what she did. But, you know, he, sh- he should just forgive her. And I know he's got a time of mourning and, and anger. And, but so I, I always, every time I saw him, I was like, how's, how's it going with the ex-wife? <laughs> he's like, Rrr, hater, Rrr. but um, slowly, slowly he began to, to break. And then that day when I saw him, he's like, man, you know, I feel so much better. I'm going back to church. I'm not doing the bad stuff I was doing before. I've kind of forgiven my ex-wife. Um, I met another girl, and we're kind of talking about getting married. She's a Christian, and he just was, had a visible difference, you know? And, and so it was like a God moment. It was like God was surrounding me with this guy saying, this is the important stuff that you should be doing. Um, just because you're in the wilderness doesn't mean that I can't use you, and, and you can't let what you did in the past kind of define you, whether it's good or bad. You know, you've got to be in the moment, be in the present, and move on to what he has for you in the future. So um, if you will stand, please. I'm going to wrap this up like a present. (laughs) Just close your eyes for a minute, please. Um, If you are 
in a wilderness place right now. Um, if you're going through stuff that you can't really handle, or seems like your world's spinning out of control, or if you even just have some changes in your life, um, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand. And I know this is old school, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but if you are going through changes and you have some difficulties in your life, um, and you want people to pray for you, just raise your hand. And if you guys who are standing around people who have their hand raised, would you go and, and just start praying for them? Um, God, I just ask for your presence to come. I ask that you would uh, just wrap us all in your love and help us to understand our situation that we're going through. Help us to figure out or try to make sense of our changes. Um, changes aren't always easy, but we know that you're walking through it with us. Your Holy Spirit is, is comforting us. Um, and so I just pray that your presence would fall and that those people would be healed and that you would help them to understand what you're doing. Help them to embrace the change, God. You love us. You are pleased with us. You're not angry with us. But you want us to succeed. You want us to be a part of your kingdom. And you want us to walk with you every day. And it's your heart to be with us, God. It's your heart that we know you and seek after you. In Jesus' name. Hello. All right. Thanks, bro. You're welcome. Appreciate you.